You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is uh, one of the younger pastors in the SBC that I, I've got to tell you just really, really excites me, uh, both him personally and also uh, what God is doing through his incredible uh, ministry out in Phoenix. Our guest today is Noe Garcia, who's the lead pastor at North Phoenix Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's a church that uh, probably a lot of our Southern Baptist uh, listeners will know because it's a, a, one of the great names in Southern Baptist churches. Church that went through some years of transition, uh, some decline in, in membership and with changes in the city and changes in the culture. And one of the most remarkable things about the revival at North Phoenix Baptist Church is uh, a lot of predominantly Anglo church churches uh, will call uh, a Latino or other ethnic staff member, but you don't often hear of a predominantly Anglo church calling a Latino as their lead minister, but God has blessed that. And uh, I'll let him talk a little bit about the changes in the diversity in the congregation, but uh, the bottom line is a church that was uh, baptizing or uh, reaching with the gospel, maybe, you know, a dozen or so people a year. You know, last year, 300 people won to Christ, 200 people baptized, a thousand uh, new people in worship services. And so what's happening out at North Phoenix Baptist Church uh, is just really exciting. So, Noe, we are delighted to have you today. Welcome to Preaching Source. No, it's an honor to be with you today. All right, the preaching of the gospel, I know that lies at the core of your ministry, and especially expositional preaching. So let me ask you right off the bat, why be expositional? What, what is it about expository preaching that benefits your church? Absolutely. It's a great question. When I first arrived in North Phoenix Baptist Church, I remember getting a phone call from Greg Mott um, at First Baptist Houston, and he told me two things. There are two things to do as a senior pastor, love the people and preach the word. As my first time senior pastorate, I got to be honest, I was filled with insecurity and had no clue how to lead a church. And the only thing I knew to hide behind was the faithfulness of the text. I knew that my inexperience and the lack of wisdom um, would, would be hidden behind the faithfulness of God's Word. And so what I've tried to do um, faithfully is allow the text to drive who the church is and the identity of the church. Uh, there are things in the church that I've seen. There are times I'm tempted to give topical sermons because I want to get a point across, but I've tried really hard and probably haven't been perfect at it, but I've tried incredibly hard um, to allow the text to drive me to teaching the people of God. If I can hide behind the Word of God to teach the people of God, I can move forward in confidence in spite of my lack of experience. Mm, wow. You, uh, well, like most preachers, uh, we all get out of seminary and we get out in the field and, and we all t always talk about things they didn't teach you in seminary. Uh, let me ask you, what are the things that you do learn in seminary among those? What do you think it's most important for a young pastor to learn while he is in seminary? Oh, gosh, what a great question. I tell you what, the one thing that um, I wish I would have done better, I wish I would have learned, um, I think I was so impressed with myself in seminary. You know, I was impressed with, and I have to be honest, and, and not many people would probably say this, but I was just a young, ambitious, hungry, ego-driven guy. 
And the greatest thing that could have happened to me in seminary is God breaking me. Because what that did was instilled in me a true humility. I had, I had humility, but it was really pride. You know, it was pride masked in humility. I know how to act and be and talk humble. I didn't have true humility. So the greatest thing I learned and, and, and continue to learn is just the humility behind why we're doing what we're doing. It's not about my moment in history. It's not about my name. It's not about me. And for a while I thought it was, but the true humility of why we're doing this I wish I would have learned that at a younger age. Probably would have saved me from a lot of pain. You know, one of the things Dr. Patterson says to those of us on the faculty at Southwestern, he said is, I've, I first of all want you to be a pastor to your students and then a professor. And I've always thought that was good counsel, and, and especially you're reflecting back to us here that maybe Dr. Patterson's right. Maybe we do need to look at our students first through pastoral eyes and then through the eyes of a professor. Absolutely. At what point in your ministry did did you really get serious about expositional preaching? You know, this is I'm 16 months into my first senior pastorate, and so I have about 50 sermons underneath my belt. And so I would say about 16 months ago. Uh, before that, you know, I, I was preaching to college students, and um, although it was, I was expositional, I was more topically driven. And so when I came to the senior pastorate, um, I recognized the importance of, of the text, and once again, hiding behind it, as I like to put it. And so I would say about up to 16 months ago, um, I was driven to exp- expositional preaching. I'm probably taken more seriously and still working through that, you know, all this is through the perspective and filter of a pastor of 16 months. So Now, uh, you are on the uh, Southern Baptist Convention's Evangelism Task Force that was appointed this past summer. Uh, uh, was the uh, heart of our uh, president, Steve Gaines, and and you're one of the young pastors that's on that task force. And I know that one of the things that you folks are dealing with are are how do you revive the the invitation, you know, personal evangelism and soul winning, and especially in in preaching, issuing an invitation. So can you talk a bit in in your view about the importance uh, of the invitation and giving a gospel invitation when you preach? Absolutely. You know, um, sometimes I'm, I could be seen as old school. Uh, and so, but I, w- I was saved through a, a, an evangelistic invitation at the Salvation Army. So when preached the gospel, gave the invitation, I came down the aisle running to receive Christ. Since that time, every time I was allowed to speak, no matter where it was, I'm given the invitation. I don't have to worry, I won't do it today. But the latest, I was at um, Arizona Christian University, and I was speaking, and I give the invitation. This was about a month ago. And about, I think, 56 kids were the number. 56 college students came to Christ. Wow. And this at a Christian university. At a Christian university. And so the, the evangelistic invitation, you know, I think the invitation is important for the believer and for the non-believer. You know, the Word of God always provokes a response from the people. And so I, I just, I cannot preach without giving people the opportunity to respond. Now, you, uh, you came to Christ as a young person, uh, you were with Ronnie Floyd at Cross Ch- uh, Church uh, and, and grew a, a great college ministry uh, while you were there. What, what can you tell us about the, the secret to reaching college students? Yeah, you know, it's going to, um, during this season, um, I would get that question a lot. And I have to be honest, I, I wish I could tell you I had this incredible formula for reaching college students, and maybe God allowed it to be this way so I wouldn't try to steal the glory from Him. Um, 
but I was I was amongst the students uh, along with our staff and our volunteers who were, who were living life on life, who were missionally focused, and I would preach the truth of God and who He was and the character of God, and we did that to the fullness. And I would say there was a true dependence on the Spirit of God. We wanted to see God move. We wanted to see the God of the Scriptures. What our college students would do before college services, they would pray. These are college students. They would pray over every single seat, asking God to move in the lives of these students. And we would see every year over 100 kids saved every year, over 100 kids baptized. And it wasn't due. It was my first time preaching. And it wasn't due to my preaching. Um, I believe it was due to the move of the Holy Spirit. It was the right time and the right season. In fact, Dr. Ronnie Floyd would say he prayed 26 years to see awakening happening in that campus. I think that was a result of his faithful prayer. Wow. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, I, I never cease to be amazed at, at the things that God uses. Something as simple as having people go through an auditorium and stop and pray over each seat. Anybody could do that. That's you, you, anybody could do that. That's right. It's just a matter of you just need to do it. That's right. We, we started doing that in North Phoenix Baptist Church when I arrived. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to give God the credit for prayer. And so that's, that's where the credit goes. Who are some of the preachers that you listen to? You mentioned Greg Mott, who's, who's been a great influence on you. Who, who are some of the other preachers you listen to? Dr. Young. You know, I know, I know a little bit about how he prepares and his study habits, and I'm just an incredible communicator. Another mentor of mine, Doug Page, pastor's First Baptist Great Find, is another man that I've really looked at and listened to closely. Um, and I, and I would say, you know, when I first became a believer, and even now, Dr. Tony Evans was another man I'd love to listen to. Uh, now, H.B. Charles. Um, Tony Morita is another man. So those are a few I'd love to listen to. Talk to us about your sermon preparation process. How, how do you go about uh, planning your sermons, and uh, when and where do you study? Uh, how, how do you pull that off? So I, um, I always tell our, our pastors on staff now, I say the young guys, but they're my age. The guys around me who have a desire to preach and the guys around me who have a desire to be in the pulpit. And one of the, the most important things we can do is before we bring the Word of God to the people, we have to allow the Word of God to saturate our lives and our own hearts. There's a difference when the Word of God has affected you before you preach to the people of God. And so the very first thing I do when I'm encountering the Word of God, preparing um, to preach the Word of God, is I have to allow it to sat saturate and marinate in my heart to convict and to change me first. Um, after that process, I then begin to uh, study, and what you'll see normally is about six to seven pages of just notes, verse-by-verse uh, -verse notes, commentaries, different commentaries on each verse, getting as much as I can. Um, I would normally, after studying so much, this is, you know, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it's what I normally do. Um, I normally don't have notes when I preach because I've spent so much time with the text. I want to be able to preach the, the text without having to use notes because it's saturated my heart and because I've studied it so well, and it gives me the freedom to speak to the people. And so this point in my life, it's, um, that's, that's the way I study. Um, and, and here's the great thing. I used to have to fight hard for three or four points. Expositional preaching just carries me through. It's just when you stay faithful to the text, you allow the text to give you the natural outline. And so that's what I've been practicing on lately. That's music to our ears here. <laughs> yeah. As you know, Southwestern is, is the point of the spear for text-driven preaching. So uh, it, it's amazing the power that comes in preaching when you just let the structure of the text show you the biblical writer's flow of thought and, and you, you know, show that to people. Absolutely. So, mm. uh, Noe, how do you—lots uh, of things 
uh, crowd in on a pastor's time every single week and uh, somebody dies, somebody's married, somebody needs to be baptized. Some, there's a right. committee that needs your vision. You know, I the, 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 would be here all day listing all the things that encroach on your time. Uh, how do you delegate uh, other ministry tasks to give yourself that freedom in the study to lock yourself up alone with God and His Word? How do you do that? Yeah, I think the key to that is a good team around you, to hire people who have the same DNA know where we're going as a church, people who are competent, and people you can trust. Ministers around you, you can trust. So I have guys on my team who are very competent to, to carry the load of certain areas of their ministry um, to where I just, you know, giving them authority, delegating authority is key. Not only delegating tasks, but delegating the authority of those tasks is what I've tried to do with my staff so that they can carry out their calling and the mission of the church, and I can focus. You know, Dr. Ronnie Floyd always says, never delegate your anointing is what he likes to say. And so if God has called me to preach from the pulpit, I have to take that very seriously and guard and protect that time so I can lead the people, so I can lead the flock, and so I can feed them. And so I have to admit, there are, there are times where I fight against delegating that authority, that, that delegating that control, and I have to relinquish control in order to focus on what God's calling me to do. What are some of your favorite books on preaching? I, I'm currently reading one now. Um, it's The Christ-Centered Expositor by Dr. Merida, and uh, it's an incredible book. I, I love, you know, what he's going through, talking about expository preaching and the importance of it. Uh, another is H.B. Charles on preaching. That's another great book. Uh, Andy Stanley, Communicating for Change, is another one I like to kind of see the flow of communicating to God's people. So those are, those are several. Another is Tim Keller, um, book on preaching. And so those are several I really put my hands in quite often. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Noe Garcia, lead pastor of North Phoenix Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And I've got to confess a bias here. Uh, if you're looking for a preacher to uh, listen to his sermons online, uh, this is a man that you ought to be listening to. He, uh, he is an old-school expository preacher wrapped up in a contemporary creative package and uh, I just love him. The more I hear him, the more I know about him, uh, the more I love him. And so I'm a, I'm a fan. Noe, thank you for being with us today on Preaching Soul. Thank you so much.